You are listening to Haftarah, the Shir series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavuah and its corresponding Haftarah. And here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, at the moment of this recording, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Hazinu. However, this Shabbos is Shabbos Shuvah, and in the previous Haftarah Shir, we looked at the Haftarah specific to Hazinu, which would be read in a year when Hazinu and Shabbos Shuvah do not coincide. However, right now we're going to look at the Haftarah for Shabbos Shuva, which sometimes is thought of as the Haftarah for Parshas Vayelech. However, Nitzavim and Vayelech are often read together, and when that happens, we conclude the Shiva de Nechamasa with Parshas Nitzavim. And, of course, in the previous Haftarah Shirim, we also discussed the Haftarah, um, the Haftarahs for Rosh Hashanah. But now we're going to be looking at the very unique Haftarah for Shabbos Shuva, the Haftarah for which Shabbos Shuva gets its name. And um, so this Haftarah is a Haftarah that is usually either read for Vayelech um, in a year when it's not read with Nitzavim as a double Parsha, or as we have in this year, the moment of this recording, this Haftarah is read in conjunction with Parsha Zazinu. And of course, again, this is the famous Haftarah of Shuva Yisrael, Return, Repent, O Yisrael. Um, and now this Haftarah is famous as, again, it is the basis for Shabbat Shuvah, and this is the Shabbos um, that always falls out between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. During the Esarasimate Shuvah, the 10 days of repentance um, or repentance. And the theme of the Haftarah is certainly a no-brainer. The theme is Teshuvah, right? repentance. And Teshuvah is not only a relevant topic at this time of year, but actually in Parshas Vayelech and Parshas Hazinu itself, those two Parshios, um, if you look at the Parshios, it's only appropriate that we would read a piece of Navi which talks about Teshuva, because in Vayelech, um, the, 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 the Chumash already is talking about how we're going to veer from Hashem and that we need to come back, and Hazinu only reiterates that theme. So there's plenty to talk about. However, as we're going to see, this Haftarah is more unique than just a piece about Teshuva, right? Because the Haftarah of Shabbat Shuvah does more than merely present a piece of Navi which talks about Teshuvah. Right? Perhaps this most unique Haftarah is made up of three different passages from three different Nevi'im. We have Hosea, Yoel, and Micha of the Treyasar, sometimes referred to as the Twelve Minor Prophets, but minor does not mean that they are small in their significance, they are just small in size. And so the Gemara already tells us that Treyasar was bunched together in one book, because maybe these smaller pieces of Navi could have gotten lost, and so they were all put in one book. But for the purposes in the halachos of Haftarah, so the, the, the Gemara does say that when we read from Treyasar, we actually can put multiple passages together. We could skip around in Navi when we are doing Haftarahs from the Treyasar, which is similar to what we're going to see actually on Yom Kippur as well, for Yom Kippur Mincha. We're also going to read again from Treyasar. Um, but the point is that we are reading from three different prophets, three different Nevi'im within the Treyasar, and the question is why all that is necessary. Right? Perhaps any one of these Nevi'im, any one of these prophets could have sufficed to convey the time-appropriate, the season-appropriate message of Teshuvah. Right? At Minchav Yom Kippur itself, right, um, we have a full Haftarah devoted to Teshuvah, which, as I mentioned, is also going to be taken from Treyasar, Sefer Yonah, which we'll talk about, and According to one opinion, there's a, and according to, I think, the, 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 the opinion of most, um, at least in the Ashkenazic circle, is to not only read Yonah, but to read a few psukim from Micha, 
the same sukkim that are going to appear in this week's Haftarah in Shabbat Shuva. So there, at least on Yom Kippur and Sefer Yonah, we're given an entire narrative that demonstrates Teshuvah on many different levels, which we'll hopefully speak about um, in, the, uh, in, in the coming either hours or in the coming days, hopefully. Um, we don't have that many days left before Yom Kippur, so we have to kind of get it all in. We are in crunch time. But the question is, what more do we need on this week of Shabbos Shiva? So what is the function of the lyrical pieces from these three other members of the Trayasar? Why do we need to hear from all three of them? So before we continue, we will talk about where these different pieces of Navi are taken from. And, of course, we will also dedicate this shir, So, we have, in our unique Haftarah, that's made up of three of the Treyosar, we can think of what I like to refer to as the Teshuvah Triad. We have three Nevi'im from the Treyosar who are honing in on Teshuvah, and we start with Hoshea, Perak Yedalid, Sukkim, Beis, Yud. so that's 14, 2 to 10 in Hoshea. Then we get to hear from Yoel, Perak Beis, Sukim Yud Aleph through Chav Zayin. That's 2, 11 through 27. And then finally, we get just a few verses from Micha in Perak Zayin, um, chapter 7 of Micha. And those are Sukim Yud Ches through Chav, 18 through 20. A few verses from Micha, which again are going to be repeated during Mincha of Yom Kippur during that Haftarah over there. So again, the question is, why do we need all of these, all of these uh, different uh, pieces about teshuva, especially considering how much we're going to be hearing about it on Yom Kippur? Right? If you think about um, Sefer Yonah, which I'm not going to give away too much about now, even though the story is very famous, but we have uh, another half Torah share to talk about it. But obviously, Sefer Yonah is a narrative. It depicts teshuva in action. Right, we are given a very, uh, very large picture, many large pictures, many different individuals, perhaps, of different denominations who somehow rectify their ways and they come closer to Hashem's ideal. However, perhaps there's something beyond this depiction of Teshuvah in our Shabbos Shuvah Haftarah. Right? Think about how, again, this is a lyrical Haftarah. Um, when I say lyrical, I mean that it is, um, it, it is a, a nevuah that is in the form of a lesson, it's in the form of lyrics, not in the form of, of a story. So, although we tend to enjoy stories more, there is perhaps something more direct in a lyrical prophecy. Right? And I've heard different opinions about which books of Navi are harder. We typically think of the lyrical nevuos from the likes of Ishayahu and Yirmiyahu as being more difficult, and the easier ones are the stories. But the truth is, stories are sometimes hard to understand. You know, why each story is, is depicted, because, of course, Tanakh is not necessarily um, designed to be a history book. And if that's true, you'd have to uh, kind of do a little bit of work to figure out what the message is of each story. Because each story is not just to entertain us. It's not just to help us go to bed at night. You know, each story is meant to teach us a lesson. Whereas when you have a lyrical prophecy, the lesson is right there in front of you. The Navi says exactly what he wants you to know. Sometimes maybe the code is hard to crack to figure out what is the Navi saying, but the message is, is more direct. And I think that's something to think about when you look at this Haftarah about Teshuvah. Right? Because um, well, you know, whatever is being taught about Teshuvah in our Haftarah, let's think about what the message is of each piece. Right? We were wondering why would we require three different prophets to get the message ac- across of, that we should do Teshuvah. 
unless, of course, each Navi is actually contributing something different to that conversation. Perhaps between Hoshea, Yoel, and Micha, there are three fundamental points about Teshuvah, about which we are supposed to internalize. If that's true, then the question is, what are those points of Teshuvah? If we look closely at the words of these three prophets, perhaps we will see that they actually highlight key components of Teshuvah well beyond the outward rectification of one's ways. And these components in some ways were actually noted by the Rambam. In his codifying of the Hilchos Teshuvah, the laws of Teshuvah, the Rambam tells us what are the different steps of Teshuvah. And I want to argue that perhaps there might be some correspondence in Shabbos Shuvah's Haftarah. So let's talk about what the Nevi'im teach us. Right? We have first the Navi Hoshea. And this we could think of as our Teshuvah part one. So the first member of the Teshuvah triad is Hoshea. And if I could summarize this piece, I would say the summary in, in, in a word or two is words, or to take words. What do I mean? So beginning with that first segment from Hoshea, again, Yudalib Sukim Beis through Yud, it seems that the underlying point of Teshuvah, which the Navi wants us to know, which he emphasizes, is that of articulation, that we need to verbalize our teshuva by confessing our wrongdoings. Says the Navi, very famously, "Kichu imachem devarim," take with you, take with yourself words, take with you words, "Bishuvu el Hashem." Take take words and return to Hashem. Many many songs have been written based on these words. Not only take words and return to Hashem, but say to him, talk to Hashem, and say to him that he should forgive every sin and take what is good and let our lips substitute for bulls. Right? This is the basis for reading the Karbanos, and the Karbanos, by, by being read, it's as if we offered the Karban. Right? The Navi further demonstrates the importance of articulation when it describes the verbal declaration of the Bnei Yisra, when they would admit that, in the context of this Navi, that Assyria and their foreign gods can't save them, that they have to, they have to state this as fact. They thereby acknowledge that their sins were ultimately to no avail to them. Right? And if you think about how this corresponds to the steps of Teshuvah, I would say, this portion of Teshuvah is also known as Vidoy, confession, and it's apparently of utmost importance as the Torah requires vidui with every sin offering, making vidui of all things a biblically mandated component of teshuva. That would explain why the Rambam lists vidui as the very first and foremost obligation in the teshuva process, especially now when there are no more animal offerings and we are in need of a substitute, this confession becomes the primary offering. Now the question is, why is vidui of such importance? Isn't the main idea really the correction of our ways, that which we might refer to as aziv abandoning the sin? If we've changed our actions, haven't we fundamentally accomplished our repentance, our teshuva? Now apparently, as far as teshuva is concerned, we have not. It's very interesting to note that the Rambam actually compares the process of vidui to a mikvah, in which one immerses himself to purify himself. The Rambam says that if someone um, does not abandon his sin... He merely does a vidui. It's like going into a mikvah with a sheretz biado. In other words, which is what? What is the immersion process? The vidui is the immersion process, because indeed 
the confession of one's sins is itself a purification process. To come clean, as they say, isn't it interesting that, that in, at least in, um, in English, um, in, uh, we say that the expression of coming clean means to confess. And you know, even in, uh, even in other re- non-Jewish but religious circles, there's something referred to as a confessional. And the whole point of the confessional is to go through that process, that, that humbling process of admitting your sins. That's part of coming clean from them. I'll say that I guess perhaps there is a basis to that in our Jewish tradition, um, our Yiddish tradition of vidui, that there is, there is value to the confession in and of itself. Right. So if one thinks about it, it is only when one verbally confesses that he truly comes to terms with the fact that he's in fact done the wrong thing. It is no longer just an unpleasant memory which one tries to sweep under the rug and pretend never happened. Of course, Hashem knows it. And um, and more than that, the sinner himself has to know it and admit it. Not just for Hashem, but for, for himself. He has to stop living in denial and begin a conversation with Hashem or with anyone that he has sinned against. And only then does the purification process begin. Thus, when we begin to do teshuva, says Hoshea, take words with you. That, I believe, is part one of this teshuva process. And now we move over to Yoel. Enter Yoel, part two. This is Perak Beis in Yoel, Pesukim Yudalaf through Chav Zayin. And I believe that the fundamental and integral line here is when he says, Kiruas Levavchem, to tear your heart. In this passage, the Navi Yoel, at first glance, calls out, he first calls us to outward action. He instructs us to fast, and to cry as part of the teshuva process. Now, although the Torah itself requires bodily affliction on Yom Kippur, you should afflict yourselves, and that's apparently also an integral part of the teshuva process, but it seems from the consensus of a handful of other Nevi'im that bodily affliction is hardly fundamental in the teshuva process, something that we're going to talk about when it comes to Yom Kippur as well. When we get to the Haftarah for Shachas of Yom Kippur, we find Yishayahu, and among other Nevi'im, such as Amos, just to name a couple, that they have explicitly denounced individuals who attempt to use fasting and personal affliction as their easy fix to their sins. They decry the fact that people rely on these mediums without genuinely doing teshuva in their hearts and committing to change their ways. Indeed, Yoel would not disagree with any of these prophets, because if we look at his exact words, after telling us to cry and to fast, he urges the people in the name of Hashem, Shuvu Adai Bcholavchem Uvitsom Uvchi Uvimispaid. He says, Return to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with eulogy, lamenting. Indeed, although Yoel like the Torah itself, instructs people to fast, and he instructs them to do so as an aside we, uh, to that which we might call the heart of teshuva. Right? He says, again, you should do teshuva. Yes, Yoel sees the outward expressions of affliction and sorrow as a tool for teshuva, but the goal is to actually feel it in one's heart. Hence, the Navi says, return to me with all your heart. And in case that wasn't abundantly clear, in the next line, we find again what I believe is the integral line of Yoel's um, um, con- contribution. The Navi emphasizes, Kiri levavchem ve'avigdechem v'shivuel Hashem elokeichem. And it rhymes beautifully too. He says, tear your hearts and not your clothes and then return to Hashem. Right? That is because, in fact, the outward expressions, as important as they apparently are, they're apparently still not enough. 
right? And he, he stops us and says, don't, don't, tear, don't, no, don't tear your clothes, tear your heart. And apparently that is the goal of every affliction. Um, that is to have our hearts aroused through those. And this is perhaps a theme that we will come back to when we get to the Haftarah for Shachas for Yom Kippur, so keep that in mind. But in this vein, the Rambam specifies that if one engages in the Vizway, once again, with that which we spoke about earlier, if he engages in the Vizway but does not truly have conviction in his heart to abandon the sin, right? that which we might refer to as the, the, uh, the Kabbalah al Asid, right? and the, that paired with the Azivas Chet, right? accepting for the future, and and uh, and also the actual abandonment of the sin. So he's like one who immerses himself in the mikvah with a sheretz biado. He's holding that that impure creature in his hands, making the purification process completely futile. Right? The vidui has to be accompanied by charata, genuine remorse for one's sins, and of course that kabbalah lasa acceptance moving forward to never commit the sin again. Right. So. Um, and, the, 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 um, and really, it's, uh, the Rambam says this. I mentioned it in connection to the Aziva Schet, but really the Rambam mentions this in connection to with the feeling that you're supposed to have in your heart. In other words, Yoel here, what is he adding to what Hosea says? Hosea, I believe, hones in on Vidui. And I believe Yoel adds the components, which the Rambam mentions, of Harata, regret, and the Kabbalah Asid, that you, that you are committing in your heart to not do it again, those are needed for the teshuvah to actually take effect. Just the vidui, um, which as immersive as the process is, is not enough. So Hosea says, take words, do the vidui. Yoel says, and don't forget to feel it in your heart. Don't forget to actually feel regret for that which you have done. And don't forget to commit to the future. And if all of that is true, then we are able to now um, to, to begin to move on to the third piece, because um, again, now that now that we have the the expressions of the heart in teshuva, so Yoel is now adding that once we've begun teshuva by admitting our sins, we have to let go of that sheret to make sure that our teshuva is genuine, that we actually tear it in our hearts and not just in our clothes. Now we get to move on to Micha, which is part three, and with the three verses from Micha, we actually have the basis for a famous minhag that we have at this time of year. What am I talking about? So let's take a look at the verses from Micha, from Parak Zion, Sukim Yudchas Thurchaf. What does Micha contribute to the conversation of Teshuva? So as it happens, these verses in Micha are in fact the basis for the custom known as Tashlech, literally casting away of one's sins, in which one goes to an actual riverside and figuratively casts away his sins, following the imagery that is portrayed in Micha of our sins being thrown to the mitzulos yam, says the Navi. Right, so with tashlech al mitzulos yam, we throw it into the depths of the sea. Now at first glance, this imagery appears to be a reference to the most obvious component of teshuva, that which we referred to earlier as azivaschet, abandoning of one's sins. And in truth, it is through azivaschet that one's verbal vidoy and his teshuva belave become solidified into concrete action. Right, at the end of the day, we have to change our ways. We have to stop committing the sins for our teshuva to be complete. However, if one looks closely at these verses in Micha, it's hardly our personal abandonment of the sins which is actually being highlighted. Right? Indeed, Aziva Schet is the most obvious component of teshuva. Right? That, that, that we knew from the beginning, that you have to actually get rid of the Avera, stop doing it. Right? Could you imagine? You're, you're, you're stepping on someone's toe, and you're crushing their toe, 
And while you're crushing their toe, you follow all the other steps of teshuva. You say, wow, I feel terrible that I'm doing this. Harata, I regret it. And you might tell the person to his face, I am crushing your toe right now. Vidoy, I'm confessing that I'm doing it and I, that I feel terrible. Harata. And I'm even going to commit right now, Kabbalah la'asid, that I'm never going to do this again. Meanwhile, you are still stepping on his toe. You're still crushing his toe. You have not done azivashet. You have not abandoned the sin. This is like obvious that, that, that you have not done teshuva if you do not do azivashet. But I believe the Navi is telling us something more. Right? The, the, what's the other factor involved here? So says the Navi. He says, Which translates to the following. Who is like you, God, who forgives iniquity and overlooks willful sin for the remnant of his heritage? He has not retained his wrath perpetually, for he desires loving kindness. Continues Micha, He will again be merciful to us, suppress our iniquities, and cast all of their sins into the depths of the sea. Now, when you consider Tashlich, it might be a little bit misleading, because in Tashlich, it is our custom to cast away our Averos into the sea. And this is why some people at this time of year also might throw bread into the water, which is a subject of actual controversy. You look at the postkin, that's year we gave in the past. But to go through the outward motion of throwing away our Averos. But look back into the Pesukim that are the origin of Tashlich, and we see that the subject of these verses is not us. It is not we, the sinners, that are casting away our Averos. It says that the one that's casting away our sins is none other than Hashem. Right? Of course we have to engage in Azivasri. We have to get rid of our Averos. But that's not what the Navi's saying right now. The Navi's saying that Hashem is throwing it away. And that's because without Hashem's gift, His permission for our Teshuva, we would never, we could, ne- we could never begin the process of Teshuva. But of course, we have to be proactive and abandon our sins. That's obvious. That's mentioned and demonstrated throughout. You know, you can't envision teshuva without without a zivaschet. We'll talk about it and say for Yonah. You'll see there many different examples of that. But who says that even abandoning our sins could ever cover the tab? Who says that we have the right to just abandon our sins and say, okay, listen, we're, we're not doing it anymore, so it's okay now, and that we shouldn't be punished for it? Or who says that we have a right to teshuva once we've transgressed the will of Hashem? Who says that we deserve a second or third or even a hundredth chance at life? Who says that we deserve to renew our lease on life? Right? In a court of law, in a court of din, even all of the previous steps of teshuva combined with aziv would never be enough. Your Honor, I want to publicly confess that I have stolen from the plaintiff Bob. Bob, I am really genuinely, sincerely sorry for having stolen from you, and I promise you today that I will never, ever steal from you again. And would the judge let him off? It's not that simple. Even if, even if it were true that you indeed would never again have stolen from Bob, but the case would be long lost and of course he'd be penalized. However, teshuva, Chazal tell us, is in fact not natural. It is in this vein that the Gemara in Psachim daf Nundal Dalad Aleph and Nadarim daf Lamed Tassim Beis 
both state that teshuva is one of seven things that was created before the world. Apparently, it had to be that way. Otherwise, teshuva could not exist. Teshuva is not from this world. It is supernatural. It is a phenomenon that by the rules of nature should not exist. If we wronged Hashem, we should suffer for it. Hashem, like any judge, should justifiably mete out whatever justice he deems necessary without further discussion. However, HaKadosh Baruch has given us this unique gift that enables our teshuva at all. Hence, the Navi says, Mikel Kamocha, who is like you, God? Is there a single judge that, that, that can be compared to Hashem? So yes, we have to take all the necessary steps to perform teshuva, but like anything else, it is by Hashem's chesed that any of it is possible. We might go to the riverside and pour our hearts out in prayer and confession, but it is He who ultimately casts our sins away. So important is this component, Hashem's merciful granting of our teshuva, that these verses of Micha again make their way to Mafter Yonah as well. Because at the end of the day, if we don't have this grant, we cannot begin teshuva. It's an opportunity, a gift like no other from Hashem. So I would say in conclusion that there are plenty of points to reflect upon during this Resume Shuva and no less on Shabbos Shuva as we find from our Haftarah. Right, we certainly have our work cut out for us. We learned from, from these Nevi'im about all the steps of Teshuva and perhaps even the step of Teshuva that we didn't know existed or Hashem's Chaser. As difficult as Teshuva is, this Haftarah provides us plenty of things to consider. Aside from the obvious step of, of, of Azivasche, which I argue is not even the main point of our Haftarah, of abandoning the sin, right? that we can learn from the narratives of Teshuvah, Teshuvah in action. We have to remember the lessons of these Nevi'im, that which the Rambam highlights, for example. Hosea teaches us, again, to take words and own up to our actions, to engage in Vidoy. Yoel reminds us to be genuine, to have that regret, that Harata, and to feel Teshuvah in our hearts, and maybe to actually commit to the future, Maybe you won't do it again. That only happens if you are tear your heart and not your clothes. But finally, Micha reminds us that we are not entitled to Teshuva, but that Teshuva is Hashem's gift to us. And it means that if we do everything properly, then we can pray that Hashem Hashem will help us to return. And we can pray that Hashem will cast away our sins forever and allow us to never to return to those sins. But instead, to return to Him, to return to Kaddish Baruch Hu. So we shall be zocha to follow all the necessary steps of Teshuvah, and Hashem should enable us to attain true Teshuvah Shlema, Teshuvah Gemurah, bringing us ever closer to Him, and of course, returning us to Him in the fullest form with the final Geulah and the coming of Mashiach from Herb Menu. Until next time, as always, if you enjoyed this share and others like them in the podcast and want to partner up with, with the sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group where you can find links to the uploaded share or links to share that are reposted to their relevance, then all you have to do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B E I S at gmail.com. But until next time, let's stay tuned for the Haftaras for Yom Kippur. Two Haftaras sharing that we have to do, Bezras Hashem before Yom Kippur, Habadli and Latova. And until next time, I want to thank you for joining us here at the database, and of course, have a Gemara Chassim Tova, have a wonderful rest of your week, a wonderful Shabbos Shuva, and Be'ezras Hashem, a wonderful Yom Kippur. Thanks again for joining us here at the database.